time to talk music, audio gear, and anything else that crosses our minds. I'm Mark. And I'm Peter. And welcome to the Hareton Audio Podcast. So today we've got a great treat for everybody listening because we are joined by the amazing Brian Vega from Fearing and a new project as well, Lover's Guilt. Do you want to say hi, Brian? Yeah, how's it going, y'all? You've been using Reason for like um, a while, as as we found out in our pre-conversation to this. So how did you actually get stuck into using Reason in the first place? Um, Honestly, I was just looking around. Honestly, I was pretty young, so... I was just looking for anything that I could like torrent, you know, like anything I could just get for free. Yeah, like, like <laughs> we all start somewhere. Yeah, exactly. And nothing was um, that easily accessible, so I just like that was the first one. And then eventually, like uh, I think Reason Six came out, and then I like wanted to upgrade because of the new features, so I just like had to buy it. And then from then on, I've been like purchasing every upgrade yeah. since. Because we, I think we started on, we went to to college for it. Uh, to start with uh, so we'll have been exposed to reason five but i think i didn't actually get it till reason seven so we actually yeah we sort of started at a similar time with reason yeah that's crazy i didn't know they i didn't know they taught it in school. not quite school but i mean i suppose school school the americanized use of the word school is very different to how we use it in the um uk because you could you probably mean like college and university as well don't you when you say that oh oh yeah definitely yeah because in in the uk when somebody says school for some reason i don't know why it's different like regionally but it very much means like high school that is weird (laughs) like no nobody in the uk would say school for, for college or university and it's just one of those weird things because um we all see it in like a lot of the American TV, and so I, I know I know that that's what you meant when you said it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely. What what, uni- what university was it? Uh, we went to uh, Hull College, a local one, and uh, we did a music mm. production BTEC, mm. then a degree in music production, and then music technology. So Te- technically speaking, it would be the Open University, which is sort of like a blanket university, like across the full UK, but certain actual like colleges and establishments did it as their degree because every university has a different sort of degree that you get which is confusing but open university hull college that was our introduction to reason that was the first time either of us saw it it was one of the few doors that they had they had four reason was one of the four that they taught with Hmm. and you got to decide which ones uh, you wanted to learn or they just kind of put really just um whichever one so they they're very much like um on the first one on the b-tech it was like a lot aimed at cubase with a bit of pro tools and stuff and then on the degree, mm. there was very much like, you really want to be using Pro Tools or, or Ableton. Ableton. That was but it, really. Reason and Reason is there. And then there was sort of like, don't bother using Cubase. And I was like, but Cubase is pretty good. So we, we actually, um, yeah. where we sort of got, we got Pro Tools, Ableton, Cubase and Reason uh, in our studio. Yeah, I have, I have, um, I have Reaper, Reason, FL um on my old Mac I have Logic like I know how to use all of them but yeah you see FL Studio is one that um I've never actually tried but I, it's very very like people really really love it and then some people really don't like it cuz I imagine if you if you're tracking a live band I can't imagine anybody using FL to track a live band I don't know why I bet you could no yeah no way 
Yeah, well, I don't know, actually. I, I haven't really recorded it in there. It's not, it's easy because in Reason, you can literally just press, I press like the star key on my keyboard and I'm recording like one button. I didn't even know. know that that was the, the quick command for that. I didn't know that. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's because, yeah, I um, I actually recorded, like, I lived in Oakland for a while, so I was recording rappers. I was making beats, like, okay. for a long time, actually. Like, yeah, I would come through every day and just record. There'd be, like, 15 people at my house. Whoa. And we would just be recording all day. So I, I had to learn the commands. So like, how did, so is this before your endeavors with Fearing and uh, Lover's Guilt then? No, it was actually during all of it. Like, um, really, I started around 2016. Yeah, I worked a lot with this rapper. His name's uh, 1100 himself. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, he's blowing up right now. He's really good. Okay, dope. Um, but me and him, like, right when he was first getting started, I made a bunch of his uh, beginning stuff. Yeah. So, so you've you've sort of like you've got your um, sort of. I'm trying. I'm coming up with a stupid analogy. I was going to say fingers in a lot of pots or pies or whatever. It doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> wearing all the hats, Peter. Yeah, wearing all the hats is way better. Thank you, Mark, for saving me. <laughs> yeah, you're you're, <laughs> you're doing. Yeah, you're, yeah, you're making great, but... beats, but you're also like whenever you're recording anybody, you're having to put on that producer hat of saying, "I like that take. I like this take." You know? Yeah, and then you're having to work with people and like say exactly when you're having to use like the shortcuts and stuff like that. You're having to be focused but also you're having to make sure the person you're recording with isn't getting bored because that's when you're in both in the same room you have to always be ready to get that take that's the the hardest thing about producing somebody exactly you i literally have to i'm the only one in the room that's concentrating you know like everyone else is like like smoking weed chilling and like (laughs) they're like even trying to pass me like uh joints and stuff and i like i'm like editing like so fast like trying to go as fast as i can like but it was cool the way we did it like they would punch in every line like yeah made it pretty easy straight out of compton that's that's like an iconic scene in that where they punch in every single line to make sure he can't mess it up like because that's that's the thing he's having a problem yeah so was it that sort of approach in terms of engineering because i i always would have thought when i when i watched that scene i thought god do people do it like that because in a way that's so much harder but once you've actually got every line your comp's done like your editing's done whereas if you track the song like six seven times then you look and do your edit and you go yeah we didn't we just didn't get line six I never thought of it like that. Yeah, exactly. No, it's it's actually easier. And I thought it was weird at first because it was their idea. He's just like, oh, let me just punch in because <clears throat> it's kind of a freestyle in a way. They would like do one line and then they would think about the next line like as they were sitting there in front of the mic and then they'd like think about it and then we'd record it and then they'd think about the next line. You know, like it was really natural, actually. It was weird. Yeah. Because that- I always like just recording straight a whole thing. Um, like a whole uh, verse or whatever. And then like when I record for my projects. Yeah, I, would, you know, I was just about to say, do you think that stems from your projects? Yeah, definitely. Like in one way, it's more organic feeling to me to just ha- do the whole thing. But it's kind of easier to just punch in. Yeah, you, you know? see, I, I have this thing because I, I record drums quite a lot and I always want to get it in one take. And that's like how I know I've done a good job. But obviously, a lot of people, oh, man, their I... time stretch it. They they do every section by itself, and you know, there's a lot of workarounds where you don't have to be able to get it in one take. But I suppose that's where like a, 
a musician's pride comes in and you, you sort of don't want anybody to even use a scissor tool or, or anything. So I've like um, <laughs> built up a lot of like resistance against drumming to a click, which I know a lot of people um, hate and detest drumming to a click, but I've tried to use that as my skill when recording. But yeah, like you say, I, that's an amazing skill. I've always wanted to do it in one take, no mess ups, one full take, one say three or four minute take. And it's so difficult to do. And it's even more difficult when all of the computer technology of recording is tempting you to just fix it later. That's the real challenging thing. For real. <clears throat> yeah. So going from these, um, so, so these like more um, rap based projects, as you said, how does that intertwine with fearing being like a sort of French cold wave influenced sort of goth post? I, I, it sort of, there was a lot of words you can use to describe what fearing is. <clears throat> and I found it really fascinating. Like shoegaze yeah, kept coming up. And when we, we listened through um, both of the albums, both your albums, um, today mm -hmm. and um oh yeah it, it really did have some like shoegaze like post-punk slash like you could hear like a little bit of a new wave influence and, and all that stuff like you can sort of hear like that that darker soundscape to it how did that how did making that come about um well <clears throat> honestly through like when i first got a reason i just started making a bunch of songs and then the singer, uh, James, me and him just started sending tracks to each other. He was using FL at the time, so we were just both pulling up like these crazy synths. Like, yeah, I feel like I feel like before anyone I even know, uh, was really even doing like that stuff, and then, um, yeah, like just all the sounds that were in Reason were like that. I was finding some evil stuff, like, it just sounded so sick. Like, so from there. I don't know. That's the same thing that attracts me to like the rap stuff. Like it's the same sounds that I use. I don't know, you know. So it was just kind of natural. Like we met up um, and just like because we hadn't really um, met before. <laughs> me and him lived. I, I lived in Reno. He was living in Oakland. So then we just met up. <clears throat> and then just took our demo songs and then put them in a live band setting. I was reading like how you've gone from um, having like a, a live drummer in the, in the setup to going more, assumably having it like programmed and more groovebox orientated on the second album. How was that like in terms of production and songwriting? Yeah. Did you find that the album came together much faster? Because as, as we know, with Mike just talking about, recording live drums is a massive, massive thing when you're producing a, a full record so was it was it faster initially like when you went with more um like groove box orientated production well everything was easier like f for our first like eps and our first album we went to the studio um for this last one we literally did it all in our room like i recorded it in my room like my vocals and like my guitar parts and then we programmed the drums in Ableton because uh, that's what James uses. Yeah. And then, yeah, we I, we actually mixed it all in Ableton. Well, well our version. And then we sent it uh, to the studio to get mixed and mastered. So, that was, yeah, it was way easier, way less expensive. 
we're like we've been doing this for a long time like we could just handle this ourselves yeah but do you, do you like to have like so, the the tried and tested extra set of ears on it like with when in terms of mixing and mastering i think it's important like i w- i honestly would have rather gone to the studio to do that stuff because like the engineer knows more than us like he's listening to these sounds and frequencies and he knows yeah he knows you know but um in terms of saving money like sometimes you just don't have the money to spend on that kind of stuff yeah yeah yeah. or you'd rather like we took that money and invested it in a van you know that we got for the record yeah yeah because i've seen as well you you guys have been on tour quite a lot like um you've been all over the place oh yeah Uh, how how is it touring that and and presumably you touring now do you do the thing where there's not a live drummer on the record but there is live or are you going out with like sort of a groove box slash tracks in that situation yeah, so we just have backing tracks now that is controlled yeah. with like a foot controller. Um, we just, I forget what the pedal's called, but lets you like upload like, it's like a wave uh, player, that you, a foot switch uh, controller. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's just really... I know what type of stuff. Yeah, yeah, so it's just really easy to just play live like that. It's way better, honestly. Like everything, like hotels, um, uh, splitting up the money at the end, like everything is a little better. Yeah, I suppose when you're running it, like when you're doing like, the finance part of it, it is, isn't it? Because you've got, you've just got less going on. You need to ferry less equipment about. Cause again, like drum kit's massive, isn't it? And you just, yeah, yeah. We have we have like a half size van, you know. Yeah, but it's really awesome. Like I don't know. I, I it was kind of worried about how it was gonna go because we went from having a drummer for like years to just all of a sudden not. And I thought it'd be weird, but it's kind of not that weird. We've actually seen a few bands where they don't have a drummer, like a, a band that we went to see called The Midnight. The, the drummer's in the band, but he makes the beats. So he was just doing a whole host of different things, and he had just um, a Roland drum pad that he could just do tom fills and choice things on oh, yeah. whilst he was doing the full Ableton set. And from a fan perspective... Y- it's a bit weird at first, but then you don't really think about it. I mean, obviously, me and Peter would think about it a lot more because you're thinking about how it's all working on stage. But I think a lot of people have just got used to the idea of just seeing a singer on stage and nothing else. Yeah, well, don't get me wrong, though, because people come up to me all the time and they're like, you guys are great, but you'd be better with a drummer. I'm like, yeah, I can imagine people saying <laughs> that. Yeah, <laughs> which makes sense. Like, I miss having a drummer, too, but it's just hard, like... Just lots of conflicting schedules, you know, like, and then be, and also you have to be around these people all the time. So you want to make sure it's someone you all like vibe with. So it's just been, the solution has just been to cut that out and do the drum machine thing. And it's working pretty well. I, I think the, um, as, as you've shown, you, you definitely, um, interested in like cold wave and like dark wave and these more electronic elements. Uh, uh, oh yeah, definitely. By not having to cater to the live drums it actually opens up a complete different realm of production because me and mark have this thing in our own projects where live drums is is unbeatable if you're making rock or shoegaze or anything that that needs that energy but if you start making very um sort of sequence sounding beats all of a sudden that live drum kit can be like the biggest obstacle in the composition yeah and with my uh new project lover's guild um now I'm like, I know I'm going to do uh drum machine or backing tracks, you know? So like I'm everything like before I wasn't writing for that, but now I'm like writing for that. Um, and like, I I just bought a hydrosynth. 
So I'm like trying to, I haven't played a show. I haven't played a show yet, but I'm like trying to like organize it. So everything I'm writing and like, it's just going to be easy to play live. So we have literally just got a Hydra synth as well. This is crazy. That you oh, said hell that. yeah. How are you liking literally. it? Literally. It's, it's actually unbelievably flexible. I was making a couple of patches and we've actually been doing some, some sort of sample pack work with it for um, the next pack. Oh, cool. But it is... Um, nice. I've, I've not used it um, before and I was quite unfamiliar with it, but it is really, really flexible. Uh, we've got the which one's ours? Is it the it's, the it's the light one? It's the Explorer. The Explorer. So have you got have you got the big? Oh, the Explorer. Yeah. Or have you gone for the Explorer? Yeah, I have the, the just the yeah the the Hydrosynth forty nine key. I think it is. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. the one above the the Explorer. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because I think that, I these think, things are awesome. though. like I was messing with it all day. Yeah, I mean, you, there's a lot to mess with though, isn't there? Like, and it's it's quite intuitive, really, for a hardware synth. Like a lot of them have. Loads of little screens and that. That one has two screens, but it seems to display everything in a way that you can actually see. That's that's a lot more handy. Yeah, it makes it pretty easy. Like, because I I'm, honestly, I like as much as I've used all the programs and like all the software synths and all this. Like, it's still like awesome just to like go in there and like be able to tweak things with your hands. Like, that's why like right before this, I was trying to f- uh, figure out a way to control like like rack extensions or like uh, VSTs with like with the hydrosynth knobs. <laughs> I don't know if that's possible or not. Uh, I think to some I think to some degree it is, yeah. I if think you um, midi backlick MIDI LAN on a lot of software and then dial it in, I'm assuming the hydrosynth knobs will have MIDI functionality, but they may not. I know um <laughs> if you can it should have I would have thought. They do, yeah. I yeah. Think. So that, that <laughs> I was gonna say I'd be surprised if they didn't have MIDI functionality personally. Um but uh yeah you should be able to get um, on the combinators. There's there's a lot of MIDI CC stuff built in, but I think that's to send MIDI CC stuff out actually. Because I have tried uh, making we we we've got some stuff where we control the keyboards with the combinator, but I don't know if you can do it the other way around off the top of my head without like getting really into it. I think that that is my solution because I was like, how do I like control? what i want to hear like because i know i can go in and like map the parameters like one by one but i want i don't want to do that every time when there's so many parameters on this uh soft synth yeah so i think the solution is just to make a, co- a combinator and like map like the eight most important things to me and then control that yeah yeah yeah. you mean like uh yeah with the soft synth what that yeah i think you can do that in terms of third party synths like vsts I don't know how flexible it is, but in terms of like the first party reason stuff, oh yeah, you could do that all day. Yeah, and like just playing around with the hydrogen, like it's way more intuitive and just feels better to just be twisting knobs and like messing around. You know, I like just instead of like pointing a cl- uh, mouse and then like not being that accurate, you know, like. I think, or for me, like my keyboard's on the le- on the right side, so I have to like be crossing my arms to like get my mouse. Like, yeah. I think for a lot of people, particularly if you've started like um, with a door and on like your your just whatever computers in your house, there's something like almost like a kid in a candy store when you get your first piece of hardware kit and you've got like the keys. I mean, for some people, some people produce just with the. Uh, laptop keyboard don't they so even just having like a keyboard row oh yeah i used to do that um it's such a like a nice feeling because you go this is like a real instrument and i think for a lot of people um you do look at a keyboard and go that's a real instrument and you think 
like digital and, and sort of like physical almost. Um, and there's something so nice about it. I mean, that's why we've got a lot of hardware gear here. Um, obviously, it's nice to be able to just grab something and say, I want this box um, to take me through a full session. And I actually saw that, I can't remember the producer, but LCD Sound System gave somebody an advice. And the advice was make an entire EP with one synthesizer. And that was the advice. Do every single sound of the EP just with one keyboard. And that... I, I like that. And like, I was actually going to try that. I was going to try like... Yeah, because there's like so many things you could use and so many different options and sounds. And just like, I'm like, sometimes you feel a little overwhelmed. Yeah. And it's it's like a way to train your brain to say, this is the limitation. This one synth in front of me, synth or drum machine or pair it if it doesn't have drums, obviously. But... um yeah, you can just make a full EP. Yeah, I've been trying to just use the Hydrosynth because I'm like, this is what I'm going to use live. Like, So I just got to actually have the sounds in here, you know, and know how to make them. Yeah. So like the last few songs I've done have been like all Hydrosynth, like, you know, but I've been uh, using like, I like your drum kits. I'm looking at the Retro Days 1 right now. Yeah. They it's cool because you guys have that little pattern select knob or whatever. I'm like, that's like really smart. Yeah. Thank you for acknowledging that because I never know if anybody even knows that's there. <laughs> if you know what I mean. I'd, yeah, and then I was like, and I was like, hold up, how does this work? And I'm like trying to de deconstruct the combinator and everything. I'm like, this is really awesome. Like, and then now I'm getting excited about combinators. Now I'm like, you could do so much stuff. Like, yeah, they're, they're very, very powerful. And the what we try to do with them is we try to build upon like what we've already done. So I try and instead of like remapping all of that every time, which would be hell on earth, Yeah, I do it once, I get everything right, I bug test it and I go, right, time to just change out all the sounds and, and stuff like that. So that's like a workflow tip with combinators. Yeah. Is you just, you build the, the engine as I look at it, a bit like you would in something like Contact and then you build the presets. So that's what I try to do with it. Yeah, that's really awesome. And then I've been just looking through a bunch of different ones to try to, trying to de uh, deconstruct them. Like, how did you guys do that pattern select thing? Did you go in there and individually make each pattern yes or it is like randomized okay no, I, yeah I, I figured and i changed that's crazy that's a lot of time <laughs> yeah i change it up on some of them so like um on ghs 15 with it being drum and bass i made sure that if you set it to drum and bass tempo and then hit like um the pattern mode there would be mostly drum and bass style beats and stuff but it's yeah it, it like you say it is a lot of work to make like 32 patterns because that's not even that's not really even a feature that i advertise <laughs> that it's just in there and i think it's an important one you probably should because i was like this is really badass and then yeah, it's making me want to just build my own like now i see the possibility in these because i didn't really get it at first i was like all right you could just stack a bunch of instruments like all right whatever but now you can like really get in there and like do some real cool stuff yeah um Peter was really into the idea and it took me a little bit of convincing when he initially started. But I think the main thing you focused on, Peter, was usability. You wanted it to immediately be usable as soon as you pulled up a patch because a lot of sample packs that just say, here's this kick sample, do something with it. And then a lot of people go, well, what do I do with it? You know, do you put it in a player? Do you just put the WAV on the on the track you know whereas like you say with the inbuilt patterns and stuff like that it's immediately usable and musical so that even if you don't 
care for what the company is doing, you can use it like an instrument. Exactly. Like I could just pull up that little pattern select and then just like flip through them. Like I could assign that knob to, you know, the hydrosynth or something and then just be like playing the actual hydrosynth and then be turning that knob and then like the d different drum patterns will be playing and then I could just go uh, be writing a song from there, you know? So would would that be a way of sort of like inspiring like an idea? Would you like set like a, a drum beat off and then get on the hydrosynth and see what what sort of sounds come come up first? Then go, oh, is this like a seed of an idea? Yeah, definitely. Like before, I was programming the drums myself. You know, I I, I was clicking in the drums into the sequencer. Like I I love doing that. I play drums myself. You know. Yeah. But it's just way easier. Like these are all the. Um, patterns I would make anyways like <laughs> I don't have to go in there and individually uh, make them myself I think it, it doesn't hurt to have like a four to the floor like pattern does it like it, yeah, there's so yeah, many it's easy like so many beats you just like just give me four to the floor so I can figure out what I'm making first and then you can think about it exactly and then I can go yeah and then from there I go in and like I'll create my own pattern like in variations and you know yeah, you just want like a when when you like sit down to make a track, you want like to feel like you're on a rolling start. There's nothing worse than like sitting down and going, "Yeah, I've been at this for like an hour and a half, and I haven't even really got anything on like in in the MIDI yeah, or in audio no. or anything." So just to be able to start with like a four to the floor or a basic beat, and then put some chords over it, you're already like halfway there sometimes. Exactly, like not like now my. Um projects are like two files like a drum machine thing and then the audio track from the hydrogen like that's how i start you know yeah and then it's just way easier because i don't have to like i'm not programming that much i'm just going for it like immediately because i like to be in the flow like when i'm i have a songwriting mode and then i have like a producing mode you know Yes, and I, th I think it's very important as well, like, to be able to separate the songwriting from the production, because I think sometimes, like, the songwriter in you is just like, let's add loads and loads and loads of layers, and let's make it real massive, and then sometimes the producer part of you comes in and says, yeah, this is, this don't either, this sounds really cluttered and messy, or you know, are, are all these fighting for space? So I think to have like, to be able to compartmentalize your brain in that sense really helps when you actually have to be the person who sits there and mixes it. Yeah, exactly. Like writing the song is way faster if you don't focus on like how it sounds immediately. And then you just go right back like after the fact and then tweak stuff, you know? Yeah. I mean, yeah, at, yeah. at least that's how I like to do it. Yeah. So um, going back to like, as we said, like Cold Wave and like Dark Wave and stuff, do you have like any records that are like your, your go-to in, in this genre? Oh, yeah. Um, Asylum Party, um, pretty much anything they do. They have, um, uh, what are they called? I have them right here. Borderline's Amazing. Um, Mede, I think it's called. The third album's Amazing. Um, their first uh, album's Amazing. Like it, Clan of Zymox is really good um yeah when it comes to that kind of sound for sure and what what sort of led you into this sort of like sound palette as you will like um how how where did you hear it first and where did you hear like the actual genre tag of cold wave because i think that's that's really important like for example for me with synthwave i was trying to make it and i didn't even know it was a thing and then when i found like the name synthwave and i could actually google it and go Oh, this is a this is a thing people are already doing. What am I doing? I don't even know what the scene is. You know, did you find that like cool? 
that's how I felt because like <clears throat> like right before we started fearing I didn't know about any of that stuff I just like I just like the sounds kind of that came in like reason like the dark ones like I was just going through yeah. the presets and so then <clears throat> I just started listening to music that sounded like that doing like YouTube deep dives and then that led me into like cold wave and like goth and stuff and it was using the same sounds as like rap you know like literally the same drum machine, same synthesizers, but put differently. And I just, I'm really attracted to all those sounds. So like, I love rap. I love goth, you know? Um, so then from there, yeah, just, I, it just all sounds amazing. Like, <laughs> yeah, I do think that um, it's crazy how versatile some synths and drum machines are. And um Obviously, like, uh, when you think about, when I think about rap music, you know, you think about the, the classics like 808s and, and that sort of stuff, 909s. Well, that's more housey, I suppose. 808s mainly. Um, and, though, you know, like, just a few drum machines are just scattered across, like, almost every single music genre. Like, particularly when yeah. you look at, like, electronic or or certain, like, pockets of different, subgenres or, or you know like genre trees get so complicated it's you almost lose your mind trying to figure out where one ends and where one starts but um i suppose that is the best thing about genres and how certain instruments can be used universally but also extremely nichely yeah to do certain things really well definitely because then i was like all right when i wanted to get like a um like a hardware synth i was like what do i need like I was like, just look, I was kind of looking in reason. I was like, all right, I really love like Europa, you know? So what is that a real synth that sounds like that, you know? And then I just kind of was doing my research and then I landed on the hydrosynth. So, so the hydrosynth is like, would you say it's your first like big piece of kit that you've, you've actually splashed out on then? Yeah, definitely. Ah, oh, cool, cool. So, so you was looking, yeah, because as you say, Europa. If you like Europa, the Hydrosynth has that wavetable engine sort of in it, doesn't it? When you're flicking about with the oscillators, yeah. Did you find that like the main appeal to you that it it could do a lot of powerful stuff, but there was like a lot of flexibility in them wavetables? Yeah, well, I was like, because I had already been writing songs for my new project, you know. Yeah. So I was I was literally in the store, um, in the music store, like. There was two walls of synthesizers, and I was, like, going between this one, and then there's, like, uh, I think it was a Roland, like, what is it? What's the new one? Like, JX or something like that? Um, but oh, I was going There's so many. There's a guy here, too. Yeah. <laughs> That's the latest one that I can think of. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know. But, yeah, I was just, like, going between them and, like, all right, which sounds are the ones that I use? Like, which ones are the ones I make? And I was, like, trying to make them on both of them. And, like, every time the Hydrosynths would win, like, in terms of, like, at, at least to my ears, sound quality and like just straight up flexibility. Yeah. I mean, it's, it is very impressive. We got a lot of Roland kit as well. So I, I think though that what the Hydrosynth does is that flexibility. And it is, it is like when you, when you compare it to Europa, I think that's a really, really good comparison because Europa, I didn't realize how good it was until I actually sat down and said, "It's so good." Yeah, I, I sat down and thought, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna really get stuck into this thing because um, I was actually trying out um, Vital, the free wavetable synth, mm -hmm. on a friend's recommendation, and then I realized when I was flicking through Reason, um, I never really looked at some of the engines. So I looked and saw that um, you could put your own wavetables in Europe, and I thought, mm. "Oh, well, let." I'll, I'll get stuck into Europa. And when I actually did, I was like, whoa, this is like, 
this is so powerful. Yeah. Uh, it's it's already in there. You don't have to buy it like separately. It's it's right there. Yeah, it's really crazy. It's a really good synth. I feel like it's underrated. Or maybe it's I don't know. <laughs> I feel like reason in general is underrated. Do you know what I was just about to say that? Literally those exact words. I think reason is like uh not looked down upon, but it's sort of just when you look at all of the logos for the doors, it's sort of the one that feels like forgotten about. And a lot of people sort of, um, particularly on social media, sort of fight their cause for why Ableton or FL Studio or Parittles is so good. And Reason's just sort of like in the middle of that. And nobody's really like, uh, from what I can tell, there's not really anybody repping Reason. Except the Reason gang. There is a well, Reason, yeah, gang. Yeah, right. Reason <laughs> gang. But, but in I, the meme, you're talking about in like the, the, the standard. Mainstream the mainstream memes. Of, even like, yeah, memes is a good the way. Instagram to memes. That then the Instagram memes, we need more Reason rep- representation. That's what you're yeah. saying, Mark. Yeah, I mean, like, you could say that maybe... Um, the people who use Reason like Reason, but they maybe don't scream and shout about it like the other dogs. Yeah, that's because that's because Reason's like a secret, and you don't know. <laughs> you don't. Yeah, know we want to keep it, it low key. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You you don't Wait. want everybody else to be on Reason because then then you're gonna you're gonna lose your power. That's that's the full. That's the that's the thing. That's yeah, that's right. Reason's next marketing campaign. It's like shh, don't tell anybody <laughs> about Reason. You have the you have the leg up. But in all fairness, Reason when when it comes to like what you get as part of the software, it definitely has the best first party instruments and effects. It really does, comparison. yeah, it really does. Like Cubase, I love. I would say Cubase is my favorite DAW, but I barely use anything that comes with Cubase. I use all the third party stuff that we've got. I mean, I'll often use Reason as an instrument in Cubase, just because I find yeah. Cubase's sequencer a bit easier for me. Um, but like I say, it, it's crazy when you look at what the other doors offer to what Reason has. Reason has almost everything you could want. And you feel like you can use Reason synths without feeling cheap about it. Whereas I do feel like with Pro Tools especially, if you're using Pro Tools' built-in stuff, you're almost like, why am I using this freemium stuff, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's like one of the most expensive ones, but I do know what you mean. It just has yeah, that, that feel sense. to it, though. It's hard to describe or quantify, but that's just the feeling I get. Whereas when you use like something like Europa or Synchronous or anything like that, you're like, this is really fancy tech. Just the way I think they, they make it look and the way, because you can flip it over and wire it in and change everything. Reason just feels a lot more like um, specialised as instruments, because that's what it was initially built it as, was, was yes. just instruments. And to me, it's just more fun. Like, I don't know, I just love the way it looks like I, don't, I think that has a lot to do with it honestly like if i pull up ableton yeah. it's like so boring looking like i feel i, I don't can't feel, look at ableton yeah i don't I, like I, it at all like so uninspiring that's what mark says every time i'm on ableton he's like it looks so boring that's all he ever you says. look at it and you're like am i looking at a compressor or synth you have to look at it and start reading everything because it's obviously all of them's just little gray boxes i know anybody who loves ableton's gonna hate my guts right now but that's that's how i feel because i'm very visual when i'm looking for stuff and Ex- ableton's just all gray yeah it's all gray and yellow boxes and, and knobs and you, you know, my brain's going, what am I looking at? And you're having to read all the little tags just to remember what it is. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And then I pull up like something on reason and like, I want to turn those knobs because it looks fun. Like, or, you know, any, any new device that comes out looks fun to me. I, like even, yeah. and that's why I like combinators. Like that's a whole extra layer, you know, yeah, even, yeah. even yeah. more depth in there. Like it's fun. Yeah, we, we find ourselves 
spending a lot of time making our combinators look like it fits into reason because like graphic design wise there's like a really high bar so you're like <laughs> right i want to make this look like it's in reason and you're like oh this isn't good enough we're gonna have to go back to the drawing board yeah and i think no. also what we've tried to do is is a bit like reason we've tried to make all of the packs look a little bit like hardware inspired instead of just like having a, a jpeg slapped on the back of like a sunset which doesn't really fit that sort of vibe that reasons got. Yeah, I love the uh, the layouts you guys have. Like, like I said, it's making me want to make my own. I'm like, I'm seeing the possibility in it now. It is. It's really fun. I've enjoyed yeah. doing it. <laughs> yeah, I want to like start forming my own synths and like uh, map them out to like my. Uh, I just got a Nano Control Two. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah, just yeah. have things be yeah, have things be easy like. When I sit down to make music, I want to, like, sit down and make music. I don't want to, like, have to tweak a bunch of things and, like, you know? I just want to pull up a, a instrument and a drum machine and, like, start doing it. Yeah, that's the worst part about using a lot of hardware sometimes is, like, I've sat down and gone, I want to use these two synths that we've got and, like, these three drum machines. And then you're trying to plug it all in and send MIDI across the five and then try and do oh, yeah. like a jam where you're programming stuff. And then like you say, it's been an hour or two when you're yeah, just by like, that time you're just interfacing <laughs> and it, it, it just, it, it's almost like a thorn in your side. Cause you're trying to have fun and you're looking at the instruments in front of you. Like this should be fun, but you're still plugging it all in. Cause it's not, you like when you're placing it all down and it's not preset up, you're having to think about all these different things before you even sit down to start making an idea and then it's like oh i just wish that i sampled this and already yeah, had the sounds on the pc and that's why i love presets and like preset packs like i think just, i just love going through the folder seeing what other people make and like kind of deconstructing them and or like tweaking them and i don't know I, so for me it's easy especially when i was doing the rap stuff like there's literal folders, you know, like one finger chords and stuff like that. And then like the rappers would just look through the actual folders and be like, go to this one. And then we just go, flip through all the presets. Like we didn't really have time to make our own sounds or anything. We like, we would just be flipping through them and then, and then our tweak after they left. Yeah. 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 Cause yeah. it's to get like the full point, isn't it? Is to get the session going. Because as you're saying in a lot of, when you're working with like external clients, you're like, right. Well, you know, essentially it's like time is money. You might only have three hours. It's like, we got to walk out of here with like a beat or a, a beat and a rap. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, you don't have time to sit there saying, I'm just going to go through the MIDI CCs and just make sure everything's set up. And then people will be like, right, well, it's home time now. You know, we're done. <laughs> yeah, and that's how I was at first. Like, everyone would come over and then I would just start tweaking on, like, or I will just start making my own sounds and, like, going slow. And, like, everyone would just be so bored, you know? And just like, it would just be awkward. So then I like had to really learn how to pick things up. And I was like, all right, I'm just gonna start flipping through presets. And like, and like I learned what folders they liked. So I would just always go back to the same folders. So yeah, it was awesome. Super easy. Do you think that's that's like one of the hardest parts of being a producer in, in that role that you're talking about is just getting it down fast and not, not letting the creativity sort of leave the room and sort of saying, look, we've got the idea, let's, let's capture it with whatever and then as you said you can go back you can tweak it later it's super important like you have to be fast and then like it's funny because i would just start to make a beat like i would do like um you know like one synth and then i would go in and add like a bass line and then he'd like at least for 1100 he'd be like all right that's good and i'm like wait what <laughs> and he's like throw me on like you know i hadn't even made the beat yet and he wanted to be on it 
I imagine, I imagine it's like all in his head. He's like, here's, he hears like that spark of inspiration. He's like, I've got, I've got all the bars I need now. I can just, I can just go. Yeah, exactly. And then, I, and then I'd make the drums after, you know? Oh, so would this be like a drum, like a, he's rapping drumless? Is that the idea? Yeah, he'd be rapping drumless. Like it wouldn't even be the click or anything. He would just like, I will just, just straight up to the loop of the little synth or whatever. That's, that's. That's talent right there. That's crazy. Yeah, he's really good. He's really good. You guys should check him out. Yeah, yeah, I will. I will be. Yeah, yeah, I will be. Because uh, um, so rap isn't like my strong point in terms of what I know. Yeah, yeah. But I, I know like bits and pieces. So like one of the main rap songs, like w- when I'm talking about it being drumless and being impressed, like one of the main songs that I've heard is "Bound to by uh, Kanye West. That has no drums, mm. and I always found that bizarre because it the way that I always thought about like rap and hip hop and all them sort of more um, speech driven genres is that it's, you know, all about the rhythm and the rhythm tends to come from the drums. So it's like almost like a re-education of how to approach it when somebody does something drumless. Yeah. Cause you're like, well, Oh, the rhythm's the voice. And, and, you know, sometimes it, if you're not well versed in the genres that, that can never even like occur to you. Yeah. And like there'd be other times where I would just start making the drums first, and then they'd be like, "All right, let me hop on it." And like no other instruments, I'm like, "Wait, what?" <laughs> it was weird. Yeah, but it's cool. Like they taught me like a very versatile. Yeah, they taught me a bunch of different ways to like produce and record, just like from experience. You know, like just going through weird tactics like that. Yeah, it sounds that sounds like a really fantastic experience. Like in terms of like getting like some chops, as it would be in terms of being a producer. Um, because then you've got your own sort of projects to like get into the detailing of things and like the slow pace of it. But then when you do stuff like that, you, you then get that quick rhythm as, as we were saying. So, um, how did you actually like get into doing uh, lover's guilt then? Like, cause you've, you've been making music with, uh, fearing for, for like a couple of what, like for a couple of years, like since 2017. So how did Lover's Guilt like spin off as, as like a side project or a main project? Um, yeah, so it's gonna be like uh, probably my main project right now. Like I'm loving it. I'm just loving writing the music. Um, basically, honestly, I was writing songs for Fearing and there was like a couple of songs that I showed them and they just didn't like them. And I was like, that's weird. Like I know these songs are cool. And then that's when I made my first EP. And then I pretty much wrote all those songs like um, with a guitar, you know, like band style. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah. And then after they're like, well, they just didn't say anything. They didn't say yes or no to the song. So I just like, I'm just going to take them and make my own thing because I know they're good. And then I just made, remade them, but with like synths. And then I was like, all right, for this project, I'm going to do no guitars. But I think now i'm gonna start adding guitars because i want to have like the most possibility or you know the most options flexibility when it comes to making the music yeah that that seems like that rings very familiar with me because i um we we have like a rock project that we do but then i started making a synthwave like on like as a side project yeah and uh Part, part of that was using drum machines and, and not really using guitars because I, I play guitar. That's like my main instrument. Yeah. And so my full thing with that was to to get away from playing guitar and to just mainly use synths. And I found that to be quite um, an educational way of like making music because you sort of place yourself outside your comfort zone in a way. Yeah. But um, I'm presuming you have a lot of experience actually playing keys because when I was listening 
through through um, the fearing records, there's a lot of keys in some of them songs. Would I be right in thinking? Because it definitely sounded like there was. If not, there was some crazy pedal chains going. Yeah, yeah. We have a bunch of synthesizers in the back. Like, the, yeah, we we yeah. still write all that stuff. Like, but yeah, with the lovers' girl stuff, it was. I kind of wanted to do like, all right, I'm gonna do like just synths. Like, definitely unexplored territory for me. So it's just fun. Like, and now that I'm like really into it, I'm like have like half an album written. It's like pretty sick. Yeah. Is is having like a, is doing an album going to be the the next project? Do you think then? Oh, uh, for, I think I'm doing uh, a, a EP first. It's going to be both that, and I think the album are going to be released through Funeral Party Records, which is the first record label that Fearing was on. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 So I think the plan is to do an EP first, but it's just hard, like, because it's only like four songs, and I have like probably 20 songs to choose from and then just keep making more oh i just want to keep finding i want to find like the best four songs it's just hard to like narrow it down yes for me. Uh, you've got like the opposite problem the opposite problem to what a lot of people have where some people are like oh yeah i just uh, i have the ep but i just don't have any songs whereas <laughs> you're like well i have 20 i have too many songs so now like you say that's when that's when it's hard because you've got to um make them them decisions of well which ones even though you might you know you probably like all 20 in a certain sense yeah. to narrow it down to four is going to be like really tough it's really tough i feel like that's what because like some songs like like i was writing one the other day um and i threw vocals on immediately you know and then like that seems like the most finished one but then i'll just go back to the other beats and i'm like oh these ones are really good too i just haven't thrown vocals on them so it's just hard to like do I go with them? I don't know. It's just hard to pick. Like, it's so hard. Yeah, we're working on a project at the minute, and it's that classic case of the song that was written last is finished first. Yeah, exactly. So then it makes it really tough because you're trying to you're trying to think, well, but if the, last, if the latest song is the best song, and the one that's finished the fastest, surely the song after that... <laughs> exactly. That's exactly what's happening to me right now. Uh, <laughs> And then you end up in that scenario where you sort of like, but I want I want to finish all these songs, but like the new songs seem to be happening faster. So if we chase the new songs, then we'll have it just as fast as if we just work through the old ones. And then it's just, it, it can be like that when you're recording uh, and when you're trying to make like a project, because you always think the next idea is the idea that's going to like give you the sound that you need to tie it all together. For real, and that's... It, it just ends up it's your worst enemy and it's like the the jokes you always see of like people saying a uh, new song idea and then the, there's the picture of the thousand plus song ideas <laughs> that are still left unfinished <laughs> and that's what it's like for a lot of people that's though. my folder right now like yeah just i honestly i feel like every new song i make is better than the last like because at first i wrote i was like all right i'm just gonna write four songs and then i wrote the four songs and then i sent some to you know the label and he's like these are awesome and I was like, all right, let me just like write some more songs. But now I'm on like song like 21 or something like that. And then I'm like, each one is better than the last. And I'm like, I don't even like the original four anymore. So it's just, I'm like, it's hard. To, it's hard to like stop. <laughs> yeah. Particularly if the label's like, but I really like the first four. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But then I sent him the new stuff. And he's like, I like these ones too. So I'm like, you're going to have to help me with this because I don't even know. <laughs> Wow, that's that. That's great, though. There's nothing better than feeling like you're on a winning streak. I think when you're making music, because you know some some people get into like a, a spiral where that that they have the opposite happen. They try and make a new idea and they, they can't get it down. So I think when you do get in that headspace where you're like, I'm really, I'm really, really liking what I'm making. You got to just keep keep 
going in on it because it's that's like the funnest part about making music yeah and then now that i have like the new synthesizer like the hardware synth and like going into combinators and stuff like just so many different sounds that i wasn't using before you know it's just opening up my options like yeah i'm just having a lot of fun now i think that's like the most important part is just to enjoy what you're doing yeah 100 i mean having fun is what um keeps music fun i think and a lot of people can get like uh sort of taken like like the, the atmosphere goes because they're, they're trying to achieve something that maybe feels just out of grasp but i think a lot of the time the more you do it the better you get and that's that's where the fun is and if you're always getting better you're gonna get to where you want to be eventually you know, like if you've got a really high bar like some people set themselves impossibly high bars um it's just nice to to try and you've got to look at it and go well i'm every song's better than the last so i'm having fun doing it yeah and that's the thing too like you just have to have fun like and then you just have to put it out there too like that's probably my problem i just have to like decide you know because realistically realistically i think they're all good have you thought about perhaps doing um like you could always use the songs that don't make the cut for the final record as like a bonus like Bandcamp subscriber content or something like that. Yeah, I thought about doing. Could like yeah, I thought about doing like the EP, like four songs, and then throwing in a couple of extra songs for Bandcamp. Yeah, because I I was um, there was this there's this artist that that one of the guys from the Midnight called uh, Tyler Lal. I um I'd seen a lot of people do like these Bandcamp subscriber things, but he he was doing one. I really like I really like that band, so I I got it and just thought I'll see what he what he's doing. And he was pumping out so much music. Like the the creative person in me was like, "How are you putting out this much music?" And you know, at at the quality it was as well, um, was amazing. And I was like, "Well, I suppose most musicians they make like a high volume of music. It's just as you're saying, you have to be quite selective with what you put out in in some uh, cases, especially if you're working with labels, because you can't just put out like six albums in a year unless you like." Taylor Swift. Yeah. No, exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, and then that's what we did for Fearing too. Like, like both of our albums, like we wrote like probably like 30 plus songs, like 30 plus demos, and we had to narrow it down. And like, it's hard because some of them are really, really good. Like, we probably should have done that. Like, we, we probably could have made like a double LP on the last one. Yeah. Well, I mean, you could always... I don't want don't to tell you what to do, <laughs> but <laughs> you could always... Um, consider maybe doing like as you as you were saying maybe a band camp bonus or a band camp like um deep cuts or lost cuts thing i've seen i've seen a couple of artists do uh particularly this is really popular in synthwave to do like a sort of here's lost the songs gems. that didn't make it sort of cut. yeah no. yeah like here's here's the ones that we that, yeah that didn't go on the album that seems really popular at the moment i feel like especially on Bandcamp because Bandcamp you can just you're connecting directly with your fans um I'm not sure how it works if you're on a label, so I will say I don't know how the the exclusivity goes, but uh, presumably you could put stuff out. But again, I don't know how that works. <laughs> yeah, um, my friend's band Softkill, um, they have been throwing up just demos like on their just on Spotify. Like they're pretty big too, but oh, they yeah. just like have all their all their demos and like if you go through them, like yeah, I think he's just uploading whatever he wants now on top of the studio stuff. And I'm like, that's a really cool way to do it because it'll like specifically say like, like whatever the uh, title is, and then right next to it, it'll say demos. 
You see, and I was like, that's awesome. I, I, I agree. I think that is awesome because there's a lot of anthology box sets coming out from like uh, legacy acts, like say like the Beatles, where you get like 50 different takes of back in the USSR. Yeah, that's sick. And I think, well, surely that exists for most modern bands as well. And, you know, I think, you know, to put out demos, if you're not into it, you just don't have to listen. But if you are into it, it's more like content that you want from your, like, say your favourite artist or whatever, or an artist you really like. Yeah. And I think a lot of people, particularly like creative people, they like to listen to the demos so they can listen and go, so you got from this, you know, this turned into that. And how did that turn into this? If, if you know what I mean? Like, because when you make music, you listen to a demo, you go whoa, that bit's uh, completely different or how did they, you know, change the the arrangement or the tempo or whatever it is that makes it like a final cut? It's funny because, like, even for, like, the most recent, like, for uh, Fearing's biggest song, like, I was so alive off our last album. Yeah. Um, I wrote that for Lover's Guilt, actually, and I wrote that completely on synths. So, like, whoa. It, and, then, and then, yeah, so it sounds way different, like, way, way different than the actual version that's out like and then we and then we made i did did the opposite like then we made it guitars you know so it's kind of crazy like it goes both ways i suppose doesn't it with like with that creative process like the i the the idea isn't necessarily the way it's it's been composed it can just be the um or say the way it's produced like you say you can take a electronic idea and make it a rock idea and and vice versa and i think that that's a really great way to get like inspired like with with like the chords and like the melody in a way that you wouldn't be able to if you was just like in a rehearsal room. Yeah, exactly. Now now that I think about it, because like I moved down to LA, um, so he, James is in Oakland. Me and him are the songwriters for your Fearing. Yeah. Um, but now that I think about it, mostly we've been doing that, like just writing um, all the songs on synths and stuff, and then sending uh, between each other. And yeah, then then when we meet up, we turn it into a full band thing. So it's kind of crazy now that I think about it. Yeah, because so, you're doing like a remote workflow, really, aren't yeah. you? Yeah. Which is um, like a really interesting way like to think of a band dynamic because you, you think of a band and you think everybody has to be in the same room sort of like jamming it out. But like you're finding that, you know, you can actually write these songs, be it in like a different sort of arrangement uh, with it all being synths and that and then bring them into like a, a rehearsal space essentially and, and turn them into these like full band compositions, which I, th- I think that's a really cool and creative way of, of doing songwriting. Yeah, for sure. And then we'll have all that. And then like when we do meet up, like say for like a tour or something, then we'll bust out the guitars and be like, all right, what can we like throw or change or like, you know, make work for the band? Yeah, yeah. You just turn like this into that. <laughs> it really is. It really is like doing a couple of like different genre projects myself it's it like surprises you because you think you know you think you know like the way that you work and then you try a different approach and you go well I would have never wrote that like that if I would if I would have started on say like on a guitar or on a bass or whatever so I think it is like it's a good learning curve as a songwriter I mean I, I suppose you could turn that into advice in a way like if you always write on a piano try writing on a synth because the sounds the way them sounds actually the way you perform with them changes the way you play a lot of the time. Exactly. You're like, yeah, there's a bunch of different things you could do. Like if you always start with the guitars, start with drums, you know, that's something I always do. Yeah. 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 Like I always try to switch it up. Like what I start with. Cause it'll just, it's just different. Like, 
I feel like it opens up your creative. I don't know. I don't know. How, I don't know the word, but yeah. <laughs> right, and to wrap up, Brian, um, where can our listeners find your project? Um, for Fearing, you can check out uh, Spotify. Or it's, it's on all that stuff. Um, the Instagram is at a life of none. Um, Fearing.bandcap.com uh, for my new project, Lovers Guilt. It's uh, at lovers.guilt on Instagram and loversguild.bandcamp.com. For rap stuff, you can just go to 1100 himself on SoundCloud and scroll down. It's all right there. All right. Thanks for that, Brian. It's been a pleasure having you on. Yeah, thank you, guys. We'll see you next week, everybody. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.